Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Informed Catholic. Um, now we're going to do the reading for Saturday, um, the last day for the um, second week of Advent. And now we're going into the third week of Advent, which is, I believe, traditionally called Gautier uh, Sunday, which is Joyous Sunday. The readings will begin to change. You'll start to see it. So this is going to be the readings for the second week of Advent, the last day of the second week, which is Saturday. And this is going to be episode 188 of this year, which is slowly coming to an end. So let's begin with uh, an opening prayer. I'm trying to keep it simple. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Entrance Antiphon is from Psalm 80. Come and show us your face, O Lord who are seated upon the cherubim, and we will be saved. Come and show us your face, O Lord, who are seated upon the cherubim, and we will be saved. One more time. Come and show us your face, O Lord, who are seated upon the cherubim, and we will be saved. May the splendor of your glory Dawn in our hearts, we pray, Almighty God, that all shadows of the night may be scattered, and we may be shown to be children of light by the advent of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. I like this part here, the prayer. May the splendor of your glory dawn in our hearts, we pray, Almighty God, that all the shadows of the night may be scattered. All the shadows of the night be scattered. That's really nice. I like that. Okay, so let's begin the first reading. Okay, our first reading is from the book of the uh, of Sirach, the prophet Sirach. And uh, this is a book, this is... Um, one of the books that we very rarely ever hear from, uh, I think, sadly, even to this day, um, Sirach is found in uh, the Catholic Church's Bible and in the Orthodox Church in their collection. It's in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament book, and it's uh, it's found basically. I'll say this in the Catholic in the Apostolic Catholic Church Bible. In Protestantism, it was removed. It was one of those books that was removed among the evangelical books. Um, but among the, um, let's say, in the, in the books of, uh, in the Bible of uh, the Church of England, Anglican and um, uh, Episcopalian, you'll, uh, you'll, you might find it. Uh, the reason I say you might find it because it depends on the, the branch of the church. They refer to it as apocrypha, meaning hidden. We 
both Catholic and Orthodox refer to it as deuterocanonical, meaning it's like second canon, but really it's a can it's canon. It's uh, in the collection that the Church accepted from the Helen uh, the Hellenistic Jews who became who Christianized, and this canon was brought in. It's um, you know, one day we'll talk, we have to do a whole podcast about it. So let's begin. Uh, a reading from the book of Sirach. Elijah was involved in a whirlwind. Uh, Sirach chapter 48, verse 1 to 4 and 9 to 11. A reading from the book of Sirach. In those days, like a fire, there appeared the prophet Elijah, whose words were a as a flaming furnace. Their staff of bread he shattered. In his zeal he reduced them to straits. By the Lord's word he shut up the heavens and three times brought down fire. How awesome are you, Elijah, in your wondrous deeds, whose glory is equal, whose glory is equal to yours. You were taken aloft in a whirlwind of fire, a chariot, with a fire with fiery horses you were destined it is written in time to come to put an end to wrath before the day of the lord to turn back the hearts of fathers towards their sons and to reestablish the tribes of jacob blessed is he who shall have seen you and who falls asleep in your friendship. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. I want to say a little something here. It's believed, okay, um, Elijah was assumed into heaven. Uh, assumed meaning for a mortal to be taken up into heaven. Also, in Genesis, it's believed Enoch, who was another prophet, before the flood who walked with God and then was not was not was meaning was not found and he was assumed into heaven so we also believe that our uh, that Moses was another one he died he went you know uh, up during his last days because he lost his temper and said something as though he forced it out of his own will to bring water from a rock. And then uh, that got him into sort of in trouble and he could not enter the promised land. Of course, he did enter the promised land with Elijah at the tr Mount Transfiguration when they appeared before the Lord. But Enoch was another one. Uh, Moses was one who assumed to heaven. He died. And we have also, sorry to be jumping ahead, uh, in the book of Jude, where he mentions that the, the archangel Michael came to get his body, but L Lucifer tried to bait Michael to give him the body of Moses. My, uh, Lucifer wanted to use Moses' body as a pagan idol. I mean, uh, Moses' body as a pagan idol to uh, 
for, for whatever corrupt, foul reasons. And Michael rebuked Lucifer um, by simply saying, may the Lord rebuke you. And he took Moses' body to heaven. This is, this is found in extra-biblical writing. And Jude, Thaddeus, St. Thad, Saint Jude Thaddeus, uh, used this in one of his writings to talk about corrupt, you know, corrupt behavior of, uh, of people. Um, basically, it's, it's believed that both Enoch and Elijah will return during the last days. Now, is that literal? Possibly. I want to say possible because anything's possible. Can it be also interpreted in a metaphor? In a metaphor and allegory? Yes, it can. It can be interpreted in metaphor and allegory just as much. Meaning, we don't know the full answer. The church fathers also um, had disagreements. It's not denying because the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, the last book of the, of the, of the Bible in the New Testament, mentions two witnesses coming down from heaven. And the two witnesses perform miracles. And they will be martyred during those last days. And then God will resurrect them again during those last days to show the world that he still, that that God is, is, has always been active in human history. You know how people say, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Uh, you know, I don't see God. I don't see miracles. I don't see God doing anything about the evil around us. And the answer is, he is around us and he is still doing miracles. And the answer is, you have to look into, in the church, you have to look at the liturgy. The liturgy is the greatest miracle. The Eucharist is, he is still God with us. Now, Yes, there are literal miracles still around us, still happening around us. But, but you don't always have to look for them. The point is that this God's presence is still with his people. So, yeah, there's a possibility that the return of Moses and Elijah during the last days is a possible reality that it can happen. The reason why I'm saying this is because I think... You have to accept both the literal interpretation of it and the metaphor, the symbolic interpretation, the allegorical interpretation. The literal interpretation of the, of the scriptural text and using the, the, the methods of metaphor, allegory, uh, and spiritual interpretation. I'm not going to deny any one of them. Because in, it's all up to the Holy Spirit. And when the time comes, uh, God will prove himself. So I'm not going to put that challenge. I'm, I'm not going to try to challenge and like be smart like some of these scholars and say, we have to interpret it metaphorically. Yes, you can. But also literally. The church says both. The catechism of the Catholic Church says both. I know a lot of you guys... Uh, like the the council, the catechism of the Council of Trent, all of it, both the catechism of the Council of Trent and the catechism of the Catholic Church put out by by uh, Pope John Paul and the Baltimore Catechism and the Church Fathers, all of them are tools we need. We need and we can use 
to our benefit as God given given us to, to to improve our faith, to make us to help us more wise and to help us to understand the faith better. So, yeah, Moses and Elijah. I mean, Moses, I'm sorry, Elijah and Enoch one day will appear. Okay. Now it may be, maybe it isn't. Uh, I always thought in my mind, you know, who fits in for the two witnesses. And I'll talk about another time is St. Peter and Paul. Because the word witnesses also means martyr. And the two martyrs might have been also be referring to the two witnesses that is may have been also be talking about Peter and Paul who died in Rome. But again, that it could be that they're right about it. it could be Moses. I mean, it could be Enoch and Elijah. Okay, let's move on from there. Psalm 80. And the response is, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim. Shine forth, rouse your power. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what is your right, your right hand has planted and protect what your right hand has planted. Let me read, start reading that one more time. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. May your help be with the man of your right hand, with the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life and we shall call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. It's interesting that in this psalm, uh, Psalm 80, there's only a few passages in the psalms where it mentions the Son of Man. And this title, Son of Man, uh, in the book of Daniel, he gives a description uh, when he sees the thrones of heaven being set up and he saw one like the son of man who came from ancient of days, who, who approaches the ancient of days, come and stand before the throne of him who is from the ancient of days, which is God standing before God. And the title son of man, as Daniel shows, he will be given powers and principalities and authority of rule over nations and be given the power of heaven and earth shows that this person is divine. So we, there, it's interesting. We're going to have to one day, um, do a little study. Maybe one day I could do a podcast 
when I get all the information on this. And, you know, we can do something on, on the Son of Man because I think we should really look into it more. Okay, so let's move on to the gospel. Okay. Uh, the Alleluia Antiphon is from Luke chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. Alleluia, Alleluia. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia, Alleluia. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 17, verse 9, and then verse 10 to 13. Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. As they were coming down from the mountain, the disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him. But did to him whatever they pleased, so also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. One more time. As they were coming down from the mountain, the, dis the disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, here we see that a metaphor was used. Uh, yes, the literal Elijah we know about, and we know the historical literal uh, Elijah, who during the days of King Ahab and Jezebel, who stood and fought against the, uh, the priest of Baal. But also, this literal historical Elijah was taken up into heaven. Literally. Okay, yes, we believe in the actual miracle. We should believe in the actual event, that this event really happened. Even though a lot of, there's a lot of Catholics that want to go into the more metaphor uh, interpretation. And those things are good tools when they're used prof properly. Because we can believe both in a literal historical miracle and a literal historical event and time and place believe that this, this person, this individual, was literally taken in heaven. Or else, if we use the so-called uh, metaphor, allegorical interpretation, we could abuse it and use it to, to the more the detriment and destruction of our faith, which can be done, can be abused in the wrong way. Now, 
here Jesus is saying that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He came in the manner and tradition of Elijah. Okay, Elijah appeared literally dressed like John the Baptist. That's where he got his interpretation from, his his appear his appearance, his tradition, his style from. Why? Well, Elijah, I think, represents the primordial, the 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 primordial beginnings of the faith, the beginnings of the belief that echo into that ancient past of creation, that beginning, the primordial beginning of everything with Adam and Eve. He's pointing back to the past Judaism, past uh, Abraham, going to the days of creation, just after the time of creation, into the time of Elijah, uh, you know, in, into the time of the ancient days before the flood. I was, that's what I meant to say before the flood. And, you know, he, that's, he's, he's literally telling the Jews, he's telling the Jews, but us Christians in the future, go back before the cov before the covenant on Mount Sinai, go back before the covenant with Abraham, go back to creation. Remember that God is God, that God is truly God, and he is and He is a God that deserves the proper respect that we, as his children, as his people of his creation, he deserves it from us. He deserves to have this. He deserves to have this acknowledgement. And that's what I think why John the Baptist dressed the way he did in the manner tradition of Elijah and why Elijah dressed the way he did. He, the same thing as John is reminding the people of his day and in many ways he's reminding us because we are of those days. And then you have, then you have, you know, of course, Elijah himself who was telling the people in his day, don't just, don't just think this relationship with God began, God with God began at Mount Sinai. It didn't begin the same way John the Baptist was saying the same thing by dressing like a crazy wild man, uh, because it definitely got your attention and his behavior got their attention. And, you know, we need, we need to believe in something greater. We need to believe that we need to believe that this relationship with God, this relationship goes back before Mount Sinai, before Abraham. And then, you know, of course, the call to repentance, the call to go back into those waters, to wash away your, your filthy sins, the sins you've accumulated on the lifetime you, when it started here. It's God. It's all God, whether we like it or not. You know, people, a lot of people, liberals just want to go into the scientific interpretation of things and not want to go into the deeper meaning of things. No, you've got to go further back. There's a relationship with God and our relationship with God began at the start of our creation. Each one of us has a relationship with God. And we've had this relationship with God right from the beginning. I know some people, you know, they're pro-choice and everything. But guess what? Each one of us has a relationship. The minute we came into existence and have consciousness, we all have a relationship whether we like it or not. 
And we should really take advantage of that relationship before it's too late for any of us. All right, let's uh, stop here and say a prayer. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.